You're listening to Outside by Design, a podcast about the business of creativity in the outdoor industry. This podcast is brought to you by Wheelie, a creative agency for people who thrive outside. We help connect people with themselves, each other, and the natural world through communication and creative work that makes people feel feelings and take action. Basically, we're all about making marketing that matters. This is our podcast about leveling up yourself, your brand, and your community through powerful creative work. Hello, all you Outside by Design listeners. How's it going? This is Iris. And Lisa. It's both of us. And we're in the office. We're working in the office in Whitefish. Things are cranking here at Wheelie. We are trying to get three commercials shot before the snow starts flying. And we are trying to get a bunch of bike trails mapped because we do trail map design and trail system branding. And that's super fun. Um, So we are kind of racing the weather right now. Sure. Winter's coming fast. Yeah, you're getting a lot of brands ready for their holiday, social media. Mm-hmm. It's almost 2021. Yeah. <laughs> it might be controversial to say, but I think 2020 has been a real gift in letting us reimagine our work life, letting us really get a little bit existential and think about what matters to us, what matters to brands. And I think while 2020 has been a shit show, I think it has also been a gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what else is a gift? This podcast episode. Our wonderful guest that we have today. I knew that's what you were going to say. Who do we have on the show today, Lisa? Today we have the awesome guest, Eric Arce. And he is awesome. I really, really, really enjoyed this episode because Eric is a photographer. He's an athlete. Um, He's a really cool BIPOC male who brings his perspective behind the lens as well as in front of the lens. He takes epic selfies with a timer. Um, it kind of reminds me of like old Mikey Bassich style where mm. he would take selfies of himself snowboarding and jumping out of helicopters. It's like kind of on that level. And uh, Eric is a really thoughtful, conscientious human. Um, this is one of the episodes where I think I learned the most as an individual. Yeah, there's a lot of knowledge dropped in this episode and I'm excited our listeners are about to hear it. Eric talks about infusing BIPOC culture into his photos from his perspective as well as the subject that he's shooting. Um, He talks about how he got into biking, how facing his own mortality led to finding what he really wanted to do, and also how brands can sometimes dilute messages that BIPOC are trying to share um, to be more digestible to their own audiences. So this is a jam-packed informational episode, and we're excited that you get to learn more about Eric. Yeah, take notes. This is this is an awesome episode. Let's do it. Eric, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm really excited to have you here. I'm super excited to be here. The first question we ask everyone is to describe where you are in the world and what you are looking at. I am in Salt Lake City, and I'm looking at out because I'm in my bedroom so I'm looking out the window and I'm looking at a pump track that I'd never finished (laughs) (laughs) so at the beginning of COVID I was like you know I don't know where this is going to go and I really want to build a pump track that's always been my dream and I had a good one day of it and I was like ah it's pretty hot out here so I'll wait a little bit (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's still out there. It's there, uh, staring me in the face. Oh, man. That's a, that's great. That might be my favorite answer to that question. Cool. So you are a photographer. You're an ambassador for Specialized. You co-founded an organization called Pedal to the People. We have a lot of stuff to cover. Um, I kind of want to zoom out and ask you a really big question, which is, what is your story? Wow. Um, that's really hard to narrow down. But I think for me, uh, so one of the things that I am really passionate about is mountain biking. And I first started mountain biking when I uh, moved to Mammoth Lakes. My brother moved there first, and I was straight out of high school. I didn't really have a plan. He's like, look, you should come out here and try community college out here and you know, just have a lot of fun. And while there, he did a really nice thing and bought me my first mountain bike. And of course, like I grew up like BMXing and everything, but when I bought my first, or when he got me that first mountain bike, I was blown away by how much fun I had. And I remember doing this trail there, which was, you know, pretty big mountain as my first trail. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> and, and oh my God, this is so much fun. I want to keep doing it. And I remember that bike that he did by me which was like a said it was an entry-level cross-country bike I literally broke every single piece on that bike and from there I was I worked in the service sector so I worked in restaurants had like two or three jobs and I saved up for my first downhill bike and the more I started racing the more I got into it and I just kept falling in love with it and uh I haven't stopped ever since that is really cool. How how does photography come into this story for you? Yeah, I've always been really into photography. Um, I think photography is really beautiful. Like you can just keep learning and improving. And when I was a kid, my parents had that handheld digital camcorder, which also had like a a photo setting. It was that really old school. You know, you pop the screen out to the side and then you can kind of take photographs that way. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was a floppy disk or some variant of that, but it was hella old school. So mm -hmm. I remember taking photos of that everywhere. And at some point I had wanted to pursue that. And I remember I applied to this photography school and, you know, the advisor called me back and I was so pumped. And then he's like, yeah, so we're just going to need a check of X amount. And then, when he gave that amount, I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, so I kind of put that to the back burner. But photography had always stayed with me. Like I I still, you know, even if it was like a disposable or anything, like, you know, eventually an iPhone, like I still wanted to photograph. And I thought it was really important. So when I moved to Mammoth Lakes and started getting more into mountain biking, I had bought like a... It was like a Canon Rebel, I think. And I started taking classes. I was super into it and kind of started photographing some of the other Groms. Yeah, I started photographing them all the time because, they, they, you know, like young kids are always down to either hit something, 
like a, a feature. Um, and they were always game to let me photograph them. So I started doing that a bunch. And the more I got into it, the more fun I had. Uh, but when I went to, I, I did go to community college. And when I transferred to UC Santa Cruz, I needed the funds to move. So I ended up selling that camera, which I extremely regret. <laughs> um, but it was something that, like, I just always loved to uh, photograph. Yeah, that'd be a tough call between selling the bike and the camera. I probably would have gone camera as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so back when I was in, uh, so I went back to graduate school. And during graduate school, as many graduate students know, it's extremely stressful. So I kind of had taken a break from mountain biking at that point. And I got back into it and I started to photograph again to kind of relieve that stress. And I was studying basically immigrant labor at that time. I was getting my PhD in sociology. And through that, I was doing a lot of work with immigrant labor groups. And I knew that I wanted to make visible a lot of these Latino restaurant workers. But I didn't really know how to make them visible. So I thought, oh, why don't I take their portraits and kind of portray like the complexity that they have instead of just like these downtrodden people like picture them laughing picture them having a good time or picture them resisting so that's kind of what I wanted to use like the camera for at that point whoa what uh what was the effect of that or how I guess how did where did those photos go that this is a very very cool story um yeah, how did what happened next? Yeah, so you know, like I would often visit them at their workplace because at that time I was trying to interview them to understand kind of like their day to day lives. And you know, a lot of them joined this particular nonprofit to improve the working conditions of immigrant workers. And I really wanted to show how complex their stories were so I really wanted to create like a like a project to go along with my dissertation to also show that these people have like humanity in them because they're often disregarded by society so I really want to just show all sides to them if that makes sense yeah yeah that sounds beautiful yeah How'd you shoot it? Just you'd go in, would you light it or just sort of like shoot it as discreetly as possible or kind of what was your creative approach there? Yeah, I was pretty discreet about it. Um, yeah, and often I would, you know, obviously I would ask for their permission to see if it was okay and all that. But yeah, I was trying to be discreet and kind of just capture them as they, as if I weren't even there. Hmm. So I would kind of plan ahead of time and show them. And of course they would have to check with their manager and everything. And it wasn't about like spotlighting that place of work, but I wanted to show just how important their lives were. Absolutely. On your website, you have a statement that the camera can be a tool for good, but it can also be a weapon acting as an extension of racist frameworks. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that and and how this has kind of um become a real 
backbone in the work that you're doing now? Yeah, I think um, how photography has worked in the past is like, you know, you have certain people that go into like back in the day, right? It was mostly white photographers going into people of color communities and photographing them almost like an exhibit. Mm. So I, I, you know, that's something that's why it's so important to have people behind the lens. You know, a lot of people, when they think about representation, they think about being captured in front of the lens. But I also think that it's really critical to have people behind the lens that can kind of tease out these nuances in photography. And I know there's been like photographers in the past who have done, say, for example, a story on poverty or a story on on black people where the way that they've taken the photographs hasn't been in a dignified way where they highlight certain aspects that can be humiliating. So that's why I think how you shoot, who you shoot and under what conditions is really important in photography. Big time. I, as a, as a white woman, I can relate to the aspect of uh, what it feels like when you look at photography that's clearly been like a like a man being like this is what women want and this is how women ride bikes and yeah. you know and it just feels it feels off yeah um, and there's nothing to connect with on that and so while I understand that I don't truly understand I totally absolutely on board with it, it matters deeply who's behind a camera yeah and like for example in mountain biking um one of the things that always really bothered me and i and i know a lot of people like don't do this with malice or or ill intention or anything like that but like for example mountain biking they're in videos or in photographs they like will go to like another country and they have all the little kids around them and it just feels really weird to do that to like to always focus on that, you know, like, Oh, like this is the first time they've encountered this mountain bike. Let me photograph them and really focus on that when there's, I think there's other ways to, to focus on different cultural aspects and just that. I love that. So when a brand asks you like to go after like, Hey, we want a mix of action photography and lifestyle photography. What are some, cool perspectives that you bring in or that you try to bring in as you approach uh, the subject, I guess. Yeah. I think one of the things that is, you know, whoever the writer is, if it's portrait or writing is trying to infuse some type of like whatever that, you know, if they want to, whatever is important to them culturally. Right. You know, cause I mostly shoot uh, BIPOC is to infuse kind of their own culture into the photographs to some degree. Um, like, for example, something I did with, or, or I did recently with Specialized, which I thought was pretty cool, was that I photographed myself doing a wheelie in front of a lowrider <laughs> with a mountain bike. And I think that is just a small way to give a, a kind of like a little nod to a cultural difference, but it's still being something that I grew up around and I can still highlight. So things like that, I think are really important. Also, how did you shoot a portrait of yourself doing a wheelie, both, both impressive um, feats on their own? <laughs> uh, so, so, in, so in that case, 
So I do have like a hand triggers that I have on my handlebar, but in that case, I had my buddy shoot it, and then I shot the photo of the bike in front of Lowrider. Cool. So yeah, so I definitely had help on that. You you have um, like a remote on your handlebar? Is that what you just said? Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is which is cool, but also like there's some drops I do. I'm like. I need to just get somebody out here to help me with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, I think that you, your story is very layered and very complex. And, and so when I asked you what your story was, that is a very hard question. Um, yeah. And your, your, your answer was really humble because it seems like you are put, you put tons of thought into everything you do is my impression of you. Yeah, I I think I overanalyze things, which has its good bonuses and its drawbacks, you know, like um, I like to understand the kind of, you know, impact that I'm going to have, especially as a photographer, because my hope is that people are going to see my images and that I could either inspire or impact them in a really positive way. Um, and, you know, like kind of mountain biking and BIPOC is a really new terrain. So I think it's really important that we get it right um, with how we do it. Like we don't want to tokenize people. and We want to make sure that people are highlighted in the right way and for the right reasons. So I kind of think of it as a big responsibility to photograph people. Like I want to photograph BIPOC, but I, I want to also produce really beautiful images of them riding. I think that's really important to show them, you know, doing joyful things. Um, so, so on the one hand, you want people to highlight, you know, some of the racism within the biking community and to push against that. But then also it's like, I want to see native people and, you know, or, you know, just out riding and having fun, or I want to see a Mexican person riding in Iceland, like I, like just being who they are. So I think it's really important to kind of show the vast diversity of not only people, but the type of stories that are out there. How do you find your stories? Are you just growing your network and it happens organically or are brands like specialized contracting you specifically to do that? Or how, how has that worked for you? I know every journey is so different. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, a lot of times I kind of either just reach out to people or they reach out to me and, you know, we'll kind of say, hey, let's work on this together, work on this project or let's meet up. And eventually it just kind of happens organically or a company will um, reach out to me and saying, Hey, we want to photograph this person. Would you be willing to do it? And then I'll say, yeah, for sure. And we'll kind of go from there. But one of the things that's really important is, you know, I said that I was uh, studying to get my PhD, which I ultimately dropped out of, which is, we could talk about that later. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I was interviewing folks, because I was doing ethnographic research, so I was interviewing people and kind of looking at their own personal stories. Well, most of them were undocumented immigrants. Um, I'd say a lot of them were. And one of the things when I asked them, hey, can I interview you? 
they would say, why would you want to interview me? Like, I don't have anything important to say. And that's kind of the same thing. Like most people think that their stories aren't that important, but that's the beautiful part is that when I interview them or I talk to them, like they have really beautiful stories that they didn't even know or they didn't think of as beautiful. So once we kind of uh, go through those layers, then we can see how complex every and how complex and how unique every story really is. Yeah. How, how do you do that? Do you ask the right questions or, um, you know, from like the creative perspective alone, the, the amount of honor that you're putting into your work is it's, it seems like it's really important to you. So like what, what's your creative approach when you sit down to interview someone? So generally like I, I take a lot from what I learned about grad school, right? Like making sure that you, you know, ask certain questions, but you can always kind of tell when people light up about a certain subject. So making sure that, you know, you kind of ask these broad questions, but once you know that someone is really passionate about a certain topic or that something just really stood out and you kind of want to probe that a little bit more, um, I just kind of try to ask the right questions, I guess. I don't know if that sounds pretty vague, but Mm -hmm. I just try to make sure that I kind of open up where they, with a theme that's really important to them. But at the same time, you also want to make sure that you're not, that you're being respectful when asking certain things, because you don't want to just like start asking people these really delicate questions that could ultimately be really triggering for them. Mm -hmm. Like if someone's talking about like, a past trauma or an injury that was really difficult to overcome, then you don't want to probe too much, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if a picture is worth a thousand words, then that too, <laughs> that too, you know, get yeah. in there in a, in a, in a way that doesn't feel like someone is on exhibit. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about joy and how you um, you find you find joy through bikes. I have read a lot of your Instagram captions, and I know that bikes are like a very high point of joy for you. And co-founded Pedal to the People. Yeah. If you want to talk about that, or why you think photographing BIPOC joy is important, kind of like where, wherever you want to go when we talk about joy. Yeah, I think that. You know, a lot of times when, especially in in these really like contentious moments, like with everything that's happened with Black Lives Matter and everything, a lot of times people, you know, want to highlight you for um, kind of tackling the racism within the bike community, which is definitely there. Mm -hmm. They want you to kind of talk from a place of pain which and and I totally understand why people want to do that but it's also good to make sure that we balance that out with talking about what brings us joy and that's really easy to do in biking because biking is really joyful like we all bike or a lot of people bike because it's really fun like even as an adult you know if you're having a bad day then it's really easy to kind of flip that around with a a quick mountain bike ride or 
a pedal around town or, you know, I think that we can, most of us agree that the mental health aspects of biking, you know, we can see that it's really evident. So it's really important to kind of understand how we need to highlight definitely the things that we need to overcome within biking, but then also the things that kind of bring us together and the kind of universality of it all. Yeah. Velocity. Yeah. And gravity. And, and all yeah. <laughs> and, and crashing, but being okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's talk about Pedal to the People and why you co-founded it and what it is. Yeah. Um, so Pedal to the People, uh, I started it with my really good friend, Rachel Olzer. Um, she is a black woman and is a mountain biker, a pro racer in Minnesota. And we did a project last year with Patagonia. And that was the first time we met. We, we did that project in Duluth. And as soon as we met, we like hit it off. And, you know, we, we obviously became really good friends, but we also wanted to create a space where, and we've said this before, is where, you know, BIPOC can be seen, right? Through photography, we share their photographs, but then also where they can control the narrative. So where they can be heard. So we didn't, we wanted like, you know, a lot of times companies will kind of filter what BIPOC say in their stories. So we wanted to kind of get a direct line and community with how they can share their words. So we wanted them to be honest and say whatever they wanted to say. And, and that's on their mind. So out of that kind of came pedal to the people. We created that space so that we can interview folks and kind of highlight how unique every story is within the cycling community. So that could range from talking about past injuries, talking about substance abuse, talking about how they overcame something or, or just how much biking makes them happy. And it's been a really beautiful process in doing so. It almost, you know, for a lot of people, I think it feels really cathartic for them to kind of express, you know, in a very, what we hope to be a very supportive arena for them to express their feelings. But it's also changed us a lot. Like for me, when I, you know, there's an amount of vulnerability that's required to share these stories. And I think it's made me become more vulnerable in sharing my own story. Normally, I'm like, why? I don't want to, you know, as, as much as I'm interviewing folks, I'm like, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to hear what I have to say, you know? So it kind of creates, it allows me to be more vulnerable too. So the, the stories there, I know Rachel as well, really inspire us to share our own stories as well. So it's kind of like this back and forth, which I think is really awesome too. Yeah. Would you be comfortable kind of expanding on, or like maybe not even naming a specific brand if you don't feel like it, but how companies filter or try to filter what BIPOC stories are or like how they're said or 
like censor the words. I'm just so interested in your perspective on that. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I think there's a certain way that BIPOC really feel right. And then perhaps, you know, the editor is really wary of, you know, coming off too strong to affect the consumers. And, and I completely understand that, you know, you're, you're not trying to go in there and piss everyone off. But an indirect way that happens is, you know, you're going to have to change what you really mean, right? Um, or what you're really trying to say to kind of a certain audience. So that message then becomes uh, digestible for that audience. And because of that, like you're not actually being honest about the problem whether it be about racism or sexism or transphobia, et cetera, Mm -hmm. it becomes somewhat diluted. And, you know, I think we're in times right now where we kind of need the truth to come out about like the bike community isn't always friendly. I mean, there, there's a lot like the bike community can be really awesome, but then it can have some very non awesome moments in it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're really trying to break down. What kind of awesome moments would you like to see more of and like not awesome moments to see less of? I think in photography, right, it'd be really awesome to see more in magazines, just diversity mm-hmm. and people just shredding and writing. I think that'd be really cool. I think that's something that can be really easily done. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not every writer in a magazine is like the best pro or the top of the top, right? It's going to be a photographer with his or her friends. And so it'd be really great to include more BIPOC in those shoots, right? Maybe make more friendships within that. That'd be really great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see less white males in biking, honestly, if I'm being really honest. For example, if I go to like Red Bull TV, like it's the most bro-y bro fest I've ever seen in my life. And I think there's so, I think we're at a time where we can really focus on so many really beautiful stories. And I think consumers themselves want to see something really unique and different. Um, whatever that may, whatever that means. Like for, I just talked about the Red Bull TV, like Red Bull also has this really cool story about Nigerian BMXers and the kind of, you know, they, in their own words, share the uniqueness of their story. And I think stuff like that is really awesome. Uh, It lets the person themselves tell the story. And we're also seeing something really different. And the people in that BMX story are, are killing it. And I think that's really easy to do. There's so many stories out there. Why not show a diverse set of them? Absolutely. And so, is, and that's kind of like the goal of Pedal to the People, um, to share these stories and like uh, amplify other voices, right? Yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, people will say, oh, well, we couldn't find said writer or we couldn't find said photographer. And one of the things that, that's really important to me is also interviewing photographers of color. So that we can also be like, hey, here's a photographer that you said you couldn't find. 
but then also why it's so important for photographers of color to be behind the lens. So kind of uh, expressing some of the importances of of having representation both in front and behind the lens. Yeah, that's huge. That's super huge. Where, uh, where's the best place for people to follow that on Instagram at pedal to the people? Yeah. At pedal. And then the number two, like actual number two to the people. Cool. We will 100% include links to that in the show notes, of course. Um, and the work is beautiful as well. Right. So, um, it's impressive that you're able to, uh, kind of like grow a community in, in, you know, a very cool sociological way. And also just like from an artistic creative standpoint, just so beautiful too. Yeah. Yeah. I I think like there's a lot of really great photographers of color that are just killing it right now. Um, Adam on the go is really good. Uh, the green Evans really good. Uh, they're, they're out there. So you're really good. Uh, I don't know if I'll say that, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll throw myself in there. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I really enjoy kind of um, your use of color. And so, do you do you art direct when you go in to do this, or is it are these natural moments that you're mostly collecting where people are like really popping against yellow leaves and things like that? Or are you? Yeah, I just really like bold color. Like, I think it's really cool. And it also makes the skin color pop in a, in a way. And I really love that, too. Um, it kind of makes it glow. So that that's, yeah, I'm, I'm super in love with color. <laughs> yeah, I picked that up immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I just wanted to do something a little different as well. Um, and, I, and I think it comes out that way. And, I'm super stoked on it. What what I really love about photography is like, like, you know, a lot of times you're so worried about like messing up, et cetera, and like life. But like, if you mess up a photograph or you've, you're not happy with it, you can always do tomorrow. And that's super exciting to me. Like, you know, after you, you're like, oh, I didn't like it this way. Let me adjust. You go back tomorrow, there the next day or the next shoot. And you're like, oh, cool. This is how I, how I wanted it to be. So there's like such room for improvement. And I think that's the really fun learning aspect of it. Yeah. And I like it too that you, to truly take a photograph, like you can't fake it. You have to be there when the light is a certain way and the colors are a certain way. And so it, um, for me, at least photography forces me to like really observe nature and, and the beauty of what there is to work with already and then live a life where I have to go to those places in those moments. Yeah. And you have to be out there photographing to capture these somewhat rare moments. Like you have to be out there as much as you can. Um, And that's, what's really great about it. Like it, it motivates you to, to go out. Do you find, this is like a weird, thing I'll just tell you it's kind of embarrassing I so I'm not that strong I have a small upper body and so in I always uh I'm so scared to mountain bike with my cameras that 
I will like train by putting rocks in my backpack <laughs> without cameras just so I'm strong enough. Um, cause I just like, I cannot get dropped if I'm out there trying to do creative work. And, um, like, do you have any, t- any, uh, tips and tricks for like how you get your gear into these beautiful places? So I have the worst back in the world. Like I'm a pretty tall dude. I'm like six one. And the world is not made for tall people. So like, I, you know, I had to make sure I have my desk the right size and my chair. Um, so when I lug around a bunch of camera stuff, uh, the next day I'm like, I need my AARP card, I feel like. <laughs> um, so I actually, the, one of the really cool things about working with Specialized uh, and being an ambassador for them, and I love Specialized, not just because I'm an ambassador for them, uh, but their bikes are awesome. So they, so I, I recently ordered a an e-bike. Hmm. I'm super lucky to be able to do that. And I'm going to go on my first ride after this podcast with my camera gear to see what it's going to be like. And I'm super excited about that. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really cool tool to save my back. Um, and I'm pumped on that. Yeah, because I think when you're like, if you're flipping through a magazine, a lot of people don't really realize how hard it is to actually carry that gear in to get the shot. And it's, it is so hard sometimes and expensive and you have to be able to ride certain trails sometimes. <laughs> it's, it can be, and then you fall and you're like, okay, do I give my shoulder to this or my camera? Yeah. My body or the tools. Yeah. That happened to me three days ago, actually. I was, <laughs> oh, no. Cause I do this thing where I'm riding down, you know, and then if I'm riding ahead, right. If I'm if, usually in some cases, the photographer goes first, if, if no one really knows the trail so that we, you know, that person can stop and kind of look, but I do this thing, which I need to stop doing. Cause it's super dangerous. Is like, I look back to see what the lighting looks like mm-hmm. on the trail. <laughs> And then I did that at the exact moment that there was this branch sticking out. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. And so my pedal just hit that, and I went over the bars. And and I just, while I was midair, I just kept thinking, oh, no, my camera. Right. Right. You're like. <laughs> um, but I was okay, I think. My ego wasn't. But um, I'll be all right. <laughs> it's a funny it's a funny nuance of photographing mountain biking i think (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's pretty goofy actually Mm -hmm. and so you got an e-bike which i i think is cool i think e-bikes are cool um i i you know admittedly i used to be kind of like a a hater but that's only because i'm so bad at uphills i'm Mm -hmm. like a like to think of myself as like a retired downhiller (laughs) um and you know so when somebody would pass me I'd be like oh god an e-bike you know uh but that's just my own issues with uphills that I need to go to like therapy for or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah I uh yeah I started getting more into uphill lately nice yeah yep you know what I used to do that I'm kind of ashamed of that's weird and funny though What's that? So when I was like 25, I thought it was hilarious while I was driving up the 
up the road to the ski resort to go ride lifts and downhill and I'd have my downhill bike on the back of my truck I thought it was so funny to slow my truck down and like offer to a road biker be like um do you need a ride (laughs) (laughs) like oh you're doing that on purpose oh yeah um, I'm sure. I'm sure they loved you for that. <laughs> oh, and just young, young punk me thought that was just the funniest. Yeah, you're yeah. like, I, I got them. Yeah, I got them good. They're going uphill. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> now I like going uphill. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think when like somebody who's really good at uphill, you know, like says like, and they're passing you right on an uphill, and then they're like trying to be really encouraging. In my mind, I'm like. Or, you know, I go, oh, thanks a lot, right? You're like, hey, you got this. But in my brain, I'm like, hey, man, screw you. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Now you got the e-bike. Yeah. Now I'm that guy. No, but I think think it'll be really cool. I think that stigma about e-bikes is is really fading. And um, I think that there's a lot of benefit to it. So I think... Once we break out of that, then we kind of see like, hey, like e-bikes are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a good year, 2020, to just explode stigmas. Yeah. I like that. It's true. Yeah. Kind of break away from assumptions. Break away from assumptions about e-bikes or mental health. Yeah. Yeah. All of them. I agree. Well, is there anything I uh, didn't ask you about that? that you think our audience would like to know? Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, you had asked me about the story, about Mm -hmm. what's uh, my story. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, so about two years ago, I was still in graduate school studying for these exams. I was mountain biking more than ever because I was really stressed. And I happened to break my collarbone during that time. Mm. And... And so I was like, oh, no, this is, like, the worst timing ever. Like, I need to be, like, studying for these exams. And then through breaking my collarbone, they actually discovered that I had thyroid cancer. Oh. Yeah. And when I, you know, I was pretty bummed about it. But through that process, I was like, you know, I'm not really happy doing academia anymore. Why don't I just, you know, pursue photography more and mountain biking more and see where that leads me? Um, so, yeah, I started getting super into it. Luckily, you know, I'm totally fine. Uh, it was operable. You know, I'm still kind of struggling with it, but that kind of led me to buy a really nice camera and to really focus on photography. Yeah, no kidding. Uh- yeah talk about it like a life-changing shift yeah put things into perspective for sure so you know you know obviously even though it was operable you kind of start thinking about your own mortality and you start thinking well what's the thing that I really want to do and I really wanted to pursue photography and you know what kind of turned into a silly dream is kind of coming to fruition and I think that's really cool yeah no kidding. Um, what what kinds of changes did that like? How did you actually, how did you actually make the changes when you realized you had the dream, you had the vision? What did you? What were like the steps that you took to change your life? Well, I had to learn 
a lot of the techniques and a lot of the editing process, but I really just had to shoot as much as possible. Like, you know, I brought my camera around uh, everywhere with me and that's can sometimes be annoying because a lot of times you just want to ride and you <laughs> just want to like have fun and photography is fun, but it's also can be work too. So it kind of changes the kind of writing that you do. Um, but I made it a point to photograph whenever I could. Yeah. So I always brought it with me on rides, hoping that I didn't crash on it because that would be the end of that. Yeah, it would. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just tried photographing as much as possible and kind of tried developing that craft and to take it seriously. Because I, I did feel, I, I, I from the beginning, I, I kind of felt like I was on a mission to really showcase more BIPOC in mountain biking. Man, that's awesome. Photography, you know, obviously we're capturing a moment, but it's also really important to highlight, you know, the comple- the complexities of different people. So, you know, in like historically, right, um, it has been like white people who have had the means to photograph. Um, so it's really important to have people that can tease out a lot of the nuances in certain communities or cultural aspects that is not, that doesn't feel like they're, it's like a zoo where you're just looking into something and you're, you know, highlighting it without understanding it as opposed to if somebody who is from that community can showcase the cultural aspects of that. Um, I kind of think of like the old ways. I, I forget what the name of the photographer was, but, there was like this uh, photographer who went into, I think it was like West Virginia and these really rural um, poor parts of West Virginia and they photographed all the kids. And it was the way that they did it was not very dignified. You know, they kind of showed them as oh look at these poor white people and look at how they live. And, you know, you, you definitely want to make sure that, you cover the complexity of people that you don't just show them in a one particular light, but then showcase, you know, I think in academia, they call it complex personhood, right? You want to show how unique every person is and you don't want to make a certain assumptions through photography. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. I mean, it so does. There is a lot of responsibility that comes with being behind a camera, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's a great way to put it is that there's a lot of responsibility with how we showcase not only BIPOC, um, certain marginalized communities, but we want to just make sure that we're creating a very truthful and honest portrait of people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And because you've said it earlier, you're capturing a moment, like you're capturing a split second. Um, and that split second doesn't represent every moment of someone's life by any means. And so to do so in a, in a way that feels true. Yeah. You don't want to photograph someone and then be like, Hey, that was, I don't feel like that really captures who I am or I don't, I don't feel like I have my dignity in that photo at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And I think outdoor brands have good intention right now. Um, and I think it's underemphasized um, that we need to put lots of different people behind lenses. Yeah, I, and there's a lot of really great talent out there. I, um, I've been really inspired by other photographers of color. And I think, you know, you know, when with George Floyd's death, we saw kind of a big emphasis on how the outdoor industry can make a lot of really great changes and really attainable changes. And, you know, we, we kind of saw briefly after, you know, a real commitment or said commitment about how things can change within the outdoor industry. And, you know, I'm, we're kind of seeing that, you know, die down a little bit, but I really hope that those changes are long-term and that a lot of those brands are committed um, to making a more inclusive space and having real authentic relationships where photographers or writers or people that are wearing their gear are truly um, emphasized within the outdoor industry. Yeah. And designing that gear too. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of think of, yeah, I kind of think of like the outdoor industry and the movie industry, like have a lot of parallels in the sense of, you know, back in the day, you kind of had these white producers who were like, we're not going to do that movie. That's a bad idea or something. But then, you know, that really shaped the kind of movies that were being put out and the ex and they were, they had these assumptions that these movies weren't going to do well. Right. And then, you know, we have movies like the black Panther or et cetera, that did was really successful and people want to see these really unique stories in the same way. I think that outdoor industry has kind of been monolithic in how they view certain stories and there's a way that they can kind of incorporate all these vastly rich cultures in their storytelling, you know, not just as a side note within their, you know, white narrative, but rather within, you know, the stories of these individual or communities of BIPOC people. And I think that people are yearning for stuff like that. I, I truly think that people want to see different stories out there. Big time. I think so too. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show. We are so much smarter after getting to listen to you share your inspiration and your insights. And your journey. And your journey. Yeah. We can't wait to work with you. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty amped to work with you in the future, Eric. Anyway. To all our listeners, if you haven't yet, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us reach more people. And if you have a guest that you'd like to hear on the show, please let us know. You can go on our Instagram at Creative, Send us a DM. Let us know who you'd like to hear on the show. Yeah. And as always, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Bye. Bye.